How to Differentiate Yourself as a Network Engineer with Tim Fiola, Episode 83. In this episode, we highlight ways that you can differentiate yourself as a network engineer. Is the role of the network engineer now a commodity resource? How do we make ourselves stick out in the crowded pool of network engineers, network designers, and network architects? Well, that's what we are going to answer to in today's episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast. Helping me today is my good friend and fellow non-conformer, Tim Fiola. We're going to tell you how it really is and how you can differentiate yourself. Welcome back, my friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets out there. We have another episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast, where zigabytes are faster than all those gigabytes. Now, we strive to provide real-world context around technology. Hey, what's up, everybody? I hope everyone is doing great. Zig Ziga here, and welcome to episode 83 of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast. My name is Zig Ziga, and I'm here to help you with network engineering, network design, and network architecture. And today, we are going to have a debate. Round one, fight! <laughs> uh, the debate is going to be about, are network engineers a commodity resource? And if so, how can you differentiate yourself as a network engineer? Hey, real quick, before we jump right into the topic at hand, I want to make sure that you know that we have a dedicated Zigbits Discord community where you can have network design discussions right now, live. Like literally, you could go right this second and jump in and have a Discord, or have a conversation, Discord, have a, have a network design conversation with me right now or with other fellow uh, network design experts. You can ask your questions. You can get real-time answers. You can even lurk if you want to lurk. Lurking is totally okay, and that's fine as well. We are all always happy to help. Uh, you can join this Discord community by going to zigbits.tech Discord. And, and honestly, it, it, I got to be clear, it's a 100% free, right? This is, there's no additional fees or hidden fees or anything like that. This is a free community for you to join. You can always support this community as well. There's ways to support it, but there's no need to support it, right? There's no requirement. You can join it, ask your design questions. You'll get some answers. You'll get some feedback, and then you can go off and, and you know make those design decisions for your, your organization. Your, your networks and your customers. Hey, if you go ahead and join today, join that Discord server. Again, it's zigbits.tech Discord. And let us know which Zigbits Network Design Podcast episode is your favorite. Hey, I'll see you there. Our guest today is my good friend, Tim Fiola. Tim is a twice-published author. He recently published This Week, Deploying MPLS, and the day one, Navigating the Juno's XML Hierarchy. He is a network engineer by training, but an automation and coding enthusiast by choice. Tim is also an avid tequila fan and a recovering Legoholic. Oh, uh, when we recorded this episode, I got to see uh, Tim's Legos behind him on his uh, entertainment center, and they are outstanding. Things that I wish I had in my office, but I just don't have the space. Uh, once again, Tim is a certified expert, right? He has had a number of certifications before. Um, he's had the JNCIE SP, and it has expired today, but he is a certified expert and an occasional blogger. Hey, Tim. Tim, thanks for joining us today, man. I appreciate you getting on the show. Um, how are you doing, buddy? Zig, I'm doing awesome. Thank you. It's uh, it's awesome to be here. I, I definitely appreciate your time and the chance to come here and talk about this. I'm. Do how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain. You know, I'll probably be complaining in the next day or so um, because uh, our snow is melting here in New York, and uh, we don't have grass in our yard still. 
and it becomes a mud pit and we have dogs. So I will probably be spending hours cleaning off my dogs every time I take them out. Uh, so I'll probably be complaining then. But right now, I am pretty happy, pretty gung-ho. We're getting things done, accomplishing things. So thanks for asking. Thanks for joining me today too, getting you on the podcast. You know, um, I'm, It's really good to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, um, and, and we'll go from there. Uh, yeah, will do. Thank you. I So I'm, I'm Tim Fayola. I'm uh, I'm very passionate about network automation. I started out as a network engineer by training, and then uh, about now about ten years ago, I started to see the real value of automating network operations and the power that coding and scripting can bring to the individual engineer. Uh, it, in my view, it makes it starts to make the network engineer more strategic. So I really saw that in action a few years ago. I was in a unique position to do so. So since then, I've reinvented myself as a network automator. Um, you know, along the way, I've written a couple books for uh, Juniper Networks, um, and also started an open source project. Um, so, I, you know, I want to let everyone know I am very passionate about network automation because I do believe that for the network engineer, it makes you a strategic asset, um, and also gives your employer a lot more value from you. And that can have some great benefits. And we'll talk about those. No, that's great. That's great. Hey, can you highlight some of the, those two books that you have? I like to, I think it'd be beneficial for everyone to hear the names of the books. And uh, just so everyone knows before he does, I'll have links in the show notes for those books. So you can go grab them um, and, and consume them. You know, the great content right there. Yeah, sure. Uh, the, the first book I wrote uh, uh, was when I was becoming an expert in uh, Junos Automation back in 2009 or so. Uh, it's called uh, Day One. It's a Juniper Day One book called Navigating the Junos XML Hierarchy. And uh, it talks about how to parse and qualify an XML path to get the right information uh, that you're looking for from the, the, the Juniper data. Um, the next book I wrote with a buddy of mine, uh, Jamie Panagos, is called This Week, Deploying MPLS. And that is a, a technical deep dive into, you know, assuming you have an IGP network already, now you want to add MPLS. How do you do that? Why would you do that? What knobs would you turn on? What knobs would you not want to turn on? Um, so we talk about network architecture, um, how to provision MPLS services and MPLS in that book. It's a bit of a deep dive into the subject. No, that's great. That's great. I mean, MPLS is kind of a key technology these days. It has been for the last few years anyway, right? Um, and if you don't know what MPLS is, you kind of need to know. You may not need to know how to implement it per se, but I think from our conversation, I think you need to know the implications of MPLS. What are, what are the benefits? And then um, when we start talking about automation, like how can you automate MPLS, right? How can you automate it for your customers? Because again, that's a great use case, I think, for automation. If you think of MPLS and having hundreds or thousands of customers... You can't do the work manually. Like that just doesn't scale, right? I mean, I would spend all day just modifying one customer's VRF. So you really have to have automation. You got to embrace it. So I think that's a perfect use case there for you know your passion on automation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, trying to incorporate a full RSVP mesh when you're adding one router into a mesh of already 200 routers, um, that becomes non-trivial. Uh, so yeah, that's, that is a great use case for just the scripting and abstraction exercise that you can do well, hey, for that's, sure. Yeah, man, that, that's great. All right, so thanks for giving us a little bit about who you are. Um, some of the, the key things, I think you, uh, you have the JNCIE SP, 
Yeah, the, the JNCIESP number 419 uh, was, you know, very proud to do it. Very happy I did it. Uh, I didn't, I ended up not renewing it at one point. Um, one of the reasons is for what we're about to discuss. There were some other ones, but what we're about to discuss is one of the reasons why I didn't take the time to to renew it. Understood. Understood. Yeah, I got to renew my CCIEs and the CCTEs. So I'm in, I'm in that boat right now. I got like a year or probably less than a year. I got to renew everything. And I'm like, oh man, do you have a website? Do you have a blog? Yeah, I have a personal website. It's uh, locksfoils.com. That's lock-s-foils.com. And um, that the site itself is split into two sections. One is uh, technical articles, um, and then the other section is just my worldly observations that are not necessarily tech-related. Um, yeah, and one of those uh, articles I wrote that's on the uh, the website uh, discusses you know automation versus certification, and as a network engineer, what is going to let you give you the most value, so you in turn can deliver the most value for your employer, and hopefully translate that value into a higher paycheck. Yeah, no, that's great. So I think that t- that kind of teases up to the actual topic that we're going to have a conversation about here today. Um, and just to set the stage with everyone, right? So what should you do? Uh, get a high level cert or start learning to code. That's that's kind of our gist. That's our topic. Um, and we're, we're going to discuss that from two different points, right? The high level side, the high level certs. And I would correlate that as like, again, the JNCIE that, that we were talking about originally. And then also the CCIE, CCDEs. So those are high level certs, maybe even the CISSP is what I put in that bucket. Um, and then uh, let's start there. Would you put those all on the same bucket or would there be some other ones that you'd call out to? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I do want to draw a distinction here. I think the, uh, this would be more focused on learning coding versus an engineering certification. Um, Zig, I know you have some certifications that deal with the design aspect that are more, that start to incorporate the business side of things. And that is a bit different because um, the business side of it is is a bit different than the engineering side. So uh, as an engineer, um, I'd want to draw the line that engineering versus the business side of it. So I'm not sure that the design engineering, if that's business related, would would be applicable here. Yeah, I think the design is... is um... It's like, what, what's the benefit of the business of that technology, right? And weighing the benefits and the pros and cons, but it's not getting down to the ones and zeros or it's not, I mean, it's not, you're not going in a lab and doing an eight hour like technical lab. You're going and you're getting a scenario and you're discussing, hey, okay, what technology is going to fit here? So we talked about MPLS earlier, right? So MPLS L3 VPNs or MPLS L2 VPNs, which one would fit and meet the customer's needs? That's kind of what the design one is. Um, so it sounds like the conversation, the comparison here is more on the the expert like IE level, uh, JNCIE level. And we're talking about being an engineer, being an expert engineer, getting those certifications, um, or would you go get automation, learn how to code type of thing, right? Yeah. And where, you know, what, those are both worthwhile paths to go down. What I want to draw the distinction here is which one's going to give you most value? What's the best way to maximize your, that training time? Okay. Understood. Understood. All right. Um, so let's, let's kick that off. Right. I think there's a lot that we could talk about there. Um, and I, I just got some things off the top of my head and then we can go through kind of our bullets. Um, I would say the, I think they both provide value at a high level. Um, and it probably depends on the business, what the business is trying to accomplish. It probably also depends on how you can communicate that value. 
So I think there's some other skill sets here that because you, I think each of them have value, but if you can't communicate things, if you don't know how to communicate what the value is to that business, what's the impact to the business, um, then you're kind of at a, at a, at a loss, no matter what decision you make. Um, and then the next thing would be how long does it take you to, to achieve either one, right? How long does it take you to learn the code so that you could actually provide value? And then how long does it take you to get one of these certifications, these expert certifications so that you can provide value? And I put a lot out there. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, addressing the the last one first. Yeah, I mean, when I was taking the JNCIE, when I was studying for the JNCIE, it was, I mean, I can't even count the hours, but hours of intense study over about six or seven months. Um, and when I look at all those hours, all the Saturdays I spent six or seven hours, all the weeknights I spent six you know, hours plus, that's a lot of time. Um, so you know, in the moment, would I have been better served to do something else? Well, there's a lot there. And a lot of it depends where you are in your career path, I suppose, to a point. But uh, some of it doesn't. Uh, I think there's an absolute value add in an expert level cert versus learning how to code. And on balance, I'd say in this environment and where technology is heading, it's going to be the latter. You're going to learning to code is going to provide a better value. And, you know, I'd like to start, you know, I'd like to discuss why uh, when we're ready to get to that point. Because yeah. there's, there's a lot to this argument. And, it, you know, it's a bit uh, controversial in some circles. So, uh, you know, I'm not trying to start fights. I'm just trying to, uh, I would love to uh, change perspectives for the better. No, I understand. I, I totally get it, right? Uh, I think there's, there's a why, right? And that, raw, that why is going to drive what you do here. Um, and it, I think this is the point we have to push back on, on the status quo, right? That that's, that's the gist, right? And so you say this a fight. Well, I say, I don't know if, I, I think you play video games like I do, at least we have in the past. So I'm going to date myself Mortal Kombat and where you go, you know, ready fight, because that's really where we're at, right? You know, round two ready fight. And that's, that's what we're talking about here. Which one is the one you should focus on? I would, I would assume without knowing automation, uh, my background, I have a computer science degree. I know how to program from a computer science perspective, but I do not know Ansible as well as I, I know programming in general, and I don't know Python. So I'm just throwing that out there, giving you a lay of the land for me. Um, I would throw out this assumption that it's probably going to take you less time to be able to learn to code to the level where you can provide value than it would be per se to study for an exam and pass that exam um, that'd be my assumption based on my experience and knowing computer science. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I, I wrote the initial, uh, blog article on my website. Uh, it's cause I realized with a, with a smaller initial investment, you can start to add a tremendous amount of value, tremendous amount of value as a network engineer. And, and in doing so you can make yourself, you can start to make yourself strategic within the company. And the end goal here is to make a network engineer a strategic asset. Let's get the network engineer out of just doing code upgrades and RSVP meshes where we're you know, trying to get one router into an existing mesh of 200 routers. Uh, let's get them out of spending a day doing that. Let's make it last five minutes and get the engineer engineering to make that person strategic. I love it. I love it, right? That's the goal. Make the person strategic. I always like to say, um, 
Let's get them away from doing the O&M type tasks, the operations and maintenance task, and let's get them to actually work on the business efforts, the lines of business efforts that that historically network engineers don't work on, or or better yet, we're the ones that are blamed when the applications teams can't roll out that new application. And that's just yeah, my, my opinion, right? That's just my opinion. But that that's experience talking, though. I've been blamed when I say, hey, you know, we don't have the network resources to roll out this new application. We have to go procure it. It's going to take three months, right? So so that yeah. you can't say no to the business. Yeah, the business is the business. They're cutting you a check. So yeah, you are beholden to them very much. So, so what's this innovator's dilemma and innovator's solution? Yeah, uh, they are, to put it short, they're two books that rocked my world. Um, they were written, I want to say, in the 2001 or 2004 timeframe. I ended up reading them a couple of years ago. I um, wasn't sure if I, they were recommended to me, wasn't sure if I should read them because I saw that they were a bit older. But uh, wow, those books rocked my world and gave me a completely different perspective on the nature of innovation and what is what is real disruption in the marketplace? What causes it? And uh, what are the attributes of a disruptive technology? Uh, th this, these two books together cover all of that and more. And um, you know, as I was reading it, uh, being a being an avid automator and a person who likes to talk about automation, I drew some parallels between what I was reading and what I was seeing in industry. Uh, and that gave me some ideas on how to, you know, as a network engineer, how, you know, am I, am I as a network engineer being disrupted right now by automation? And I think it's yes. And, uh, you know, in, in the book, uh, Clayton Christensen, who is the author, makes a few points um, that I'd like to talk about real quick here. Um, first of all, he talks about commoditization. And are you a commodity? Uh, so commoditization happens when a market becomes overserved by a lot of different products that all do basically the same things. So as a customer, if you have a bunch of options amongst products and they all do ab about what you need to do, um, that that thing is a commodity. Um, <clears throat> additionally, any different, you know, when you, you have this series of products, there might be some different differentiating factors between the two or the multiple products, but customers don't necessarily need those uh, differentiators. They don't need those features. So if, if there's a lot of products that do the, basically the same thing that the customers need and the differentiators are what customers don't necessarily need, one, the customer is not going to pay for what they don't need. Uh, so the value is going to be diminished. Um, and two, that thing is now a commodity. There's many choices of many different things that do the same thing. So go ahead. Yeah. So I think that's a great, I think that's a great couple bullets right there. And I like to use an example to kind of tee that up a little bit. Right. And I'm, I'm always vendor agnostic. So I try to be vendor agnostic as much as possible. So I'm talking about a solution. Like let's think of SD-WAN, right? I think SD-WAN, there's so many vendors out there, so many different solutions and sure there's, there's proprietary uh, capabilities and features that some of them have, but under the hood, there's common business drivers for SD WAN. And I would I would ask you, is SD WAN commoditized? Has that been a commodity? You know, I I can't I don't know enough about SD WAN to be honest to to tell you if it's a commodity or not. 
But uh, you might know better if there's a lot of different options and there the differentiators are, are not. Yeah. in the differentiators, and I know everyone in their, you know, everyone in their family ha now has an SD WAN offering. I've seen that. I see it all the time. So I think you could make the case that it is a commodity because there's so many options. They all do basically the same thing. Unless there's some killer differentiator between the options, it's probably a commodity. Yeah, that, that's where I was at. So there's an example, right? And I would, I would, yeah. based on the definitions that you you mentioned already, I would say that today SD WAN is a commodity. Um, there are some differentiators out there. Um, I won't list them because they're they're vendor specific, right? But if you don't if you don't have a reason, a business need to have any of those differentiators, then it's just a commodity, right? Now, of course, there's going to be some customers that have a need for those differentiators, and by all means, you go you know you go down that vendor specific path. Um, but again, at a, at a top level, it's a commodity. And I think that's a good example to kind of push that point home. Yep. And what we'll talk about later on and discuss is as a network engineer, are you a commodity? If the answer is yes, and I'm going to argue that it is, that is bad news. So let's figure out how to not make you commodity. Um, so, uh, but before we get to that, Zig, uh, I'd like to talk about just real quick, set the table with a couple more concepts co uh, covered by Christensen in his books. Um, <clears throat> in the book, he talks about technology stacks and modular versus integrated solutions. So, uh, and, you know, let's, let's look at a couple examples here. I'd say uh, the iPhone would be example of a integrated solution. Apple owns that whole stack. They own the just to put it simply, the OS and the hardware. They completely control your experience. They own the App Store. They own the music app. They control your experience as Apple. Uh, they control all of it. Now, if you look at Android as the other end of that, you have the OS, and then you have the different hardware platforms. That is an example of modular solution. Okay. So uh, if you look at that, um, in order for a, a real solution to be viable, the, the technology and the interface between the two modules needs to be well understood. The interface needs to be well understood and the technology needs to be stable. Um, you know, if the technology is not, it is not well understood and the interface between the modules is not stable, a modular solution becomes a bad idea because the, it, it results in a bad customer experience. And, you know, if, you know, I would argue early on when Apple first made the smartphone, they made it a completely uh, integrated experience. And I, that's why they became so dominant in the smartphone market. Uh, Android, it took a while to catch up. Why did it take a while? Well, because the, the interface between the modules, the OS and the hardware, for example, that was not a mature, stable interface. That was, uh, you know, kind of a mess for a while there. Uh, so, as an Android user, you didn't have as good of experience. Now, if you look at it today, I'd argue that Android is a much better experience because the technology is more stable. The interfaces are well understood. So, in that respect, the mod the the modular solution is caught up to the integrated solution to a large extent. Um, so that's the difference between a modulation. The modular solution tends to drive down the costs because you can have one company that does one of the modules really well, partner with other companies that does other modules really well. Whereas the integrated solution, still a bit more expensive, controlled by a single entity. Um, 
But the integrated solution can be very lucrative if the modular solution isn't working. Right. Isn't functional, right? Like I, I get it right. 100%. If it's not functional, then why would it be used, right? Exactly, exactly. The modular experience can be awful uh, if it's not, uh, if the technology is not stable. Uh, so uh, so what I, I, I'd argue that's really why Apple started to dominate the smartphones early on. Well, so, I mean, I, I would take a, a, a next uh, leap on this concept. And so everyone knows I'm new to this, right? These definitions and, and what we're talking about here with Tim, I'm new to these kind of um, concepts and I'm just trying to equate them to uh, a good use case. So I think iPhone makes sense. I think what you said there with the modularity for Android makes sense. I would go a step further with Apple. I mean, Apple's made everything they do a, a kind of what's the wording i gotta figure out the wording here integrated solution I integrated mean, yeah like it's it's not just the iphone but i mean iphone was the beginning or ipads i think not ipads uh ipods i think ipods were the beginning right that was the first thing yeah and, and then it went to i think it was iphones i don't remember if it was iphones or ipads but like look at it you got everything now is integrated i mean look at your apple ids your Apple IDs on everything, fully integrated, syncs everything. The ease of use is huge. Yeah, you're paying a premium per se to have an yes. Apple product, right? But then once you have that product, I mean, I have an iPad on my desk. I have a Mac. I have an iPhone. Um, and all of them are, are syncing information constantly. Like, it's awesome from a usability perspective. And, and, the, and exactly, and what you just touched on, that user experience, if it's a great user experience, people and businesses will pay more for that. And so a integrated solution can be very lucrative, especially when the option is a modular solution that's clunky. Yeah. So uh, this is gonna be a key point as we, as we move on our conversation as to why this modular versus integrated uh, models, why you as a network engineer might want to make yourself an integrated solution. And we'll talk about what that means in a so, bit here. So I like this. I'm liking this a lot, right? So we're, we're talking about these things. We're talking about modular and integrated. And we have some examples that aren't networking examples per se, right? And now we're going to take that terminology, I'm, I'm assuming. So tell me if I'm wrong, Tim. We're going to take that terminology, those definitions that we just kind of went over, and we're going to apply them to the certifications or certifi certifications. Yeah, certifications. I can't say words right, I swear. Um, and then also to, to engineers, to us, right? To network engineers. And I would go a step further and apply this concept and ask questions about the network engineers, the network designers, and the network architects out there and see which ones are modular, which ones are integrated for all those roles and all the certifications, and then also um, which ones are commodity and which ones aren't. I think this is yep. huge. Yeah, no, I, I like I say, this, these two books... I'd highly suggest them. They rocked my world. They changed how I look at business and innovation and disruption. Uh, and they also gave me some insight as to how to leverage it that's as awesome. a network engineer. Yeah. See, I like this. All right, so let's let's move into certs then if that's the next step. I think that is, right? Yeah, certs. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna, I would not never sit here and argue that, you know, a high level cert is not a good thing to do. It's definitely a value add. It's definitely a way to throw a marker down saying, this is what I know. And here's someone you trust, an equipment vendor that says, yep, this person knows how to do this very well. Certs are awesome. 
Um, but again, we're talking about how to get the most value out of the, that tr those training resources you'd spend. Um, and my, my argument here is that that time it takes that you'd invest in a cert and, the, and for, for that matter, the money uh, is, is better spent um, learning, learning coding, learning automation, and how to unlock value in that, in that area. So, so let, me, um, let me peel that back for a minute. I, I'm sorry for cutting you, you off. Let me pull it back, right? No, so, um, I, I would agree, honestly. And I, I'm not saying that I, mean, I agree because I don't want to fight or anything like that. But I, I agree. Like, like, I think that there's a lot of benefit um, in short-term, initial short-term value. Like uh, with automation and whatnot, um, even to the point where, like, uh, so I have a team of engineers, are actually architects, and one of them is is working towards his CCIE. And I actually said, "Hey, we got to pause. We got to put this on pause. Like, this is a long, long, long marathon to get your CCIE. So I think you need to refocus on the DevNet certifications and, and learn about." automation and programmability and APIs, right? Like there's more value, maybe not more value. Maybe that's the wrong word, right? It's not more value. We're not comparing apples and apples to apples. We're comparing oranges to oranges or sorry, apples to oranges here. If a fruit analogy, um, it's not more value. It's also, or it's more important that it's quicker return on your investment. It's quicker value. Um, and then you made a comment about, um, money and time and i would just call that resources right what are what is the resource cost right time money um family impact right there's a whole bunch that goes into going after a certification versus you know learning something new there's there's a resource cost to doing that yeah absolutely absolutely let's maximize that yeah and i get that i 100% get that so i'm on board with that 100% i've said 100% three times now so i'll stop saying that oh, but <laughs> i think it makes sense uh, certs are good but there's a but right i mean not just devnet certs there's i know juniper has their own certs too right but it's not just the certs it's learning how to leverage coding automation programmability concepts into a network engineer's function that role yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, so uh, we, we've talked about value a few times here. So um, <clears throat> what kind of value are you adding as an engineer versus an automator? Let's talk about that. Um, as a network engineer, um, you are, you're adding value to the company, um, at, you know, kind of at the networking level, some architecture maybe, uh, but you're, you're, you're adding efficiency into the network. That's hopefully what you're doing. Um, a well-designed, easy-to-use network that that you know fits in with the business model of your employer. Awesome. Uh, as an as an automator, um, you're you're impacting in a few different ways. Uh, you're even just as a script or doing a simple script. Uh, let's say you're you know provisioning VLANs in a data center or doing a BGP mesh in a data center, or our RSVP LSP mesh we talked about earlier, you're doing that, you make a script to do it, uh, you've, you've now encapsulated that work in that script or Ansible playbook, let's say. So now I've done this once, I've invested the time to do it once, now I can do it 100 times in, in almost no time at all. So what have you, what have you done there? Well, you've, you've made your growth scalable now. You, you can 
you can do that operation many, many times the same way each time, reducing human error along the way. So you're reducing OPEX. Um, if you're getting this, if you're impacting turning service up quicker, you're reducing your quote to cash interval, which it involves cash flow. Uh, since you're making the work more consistent, you're you're making it easier for the company to stay within their SLAs. All those things we talked about typically correspond more closely to higher level strategic objectives for the company. And the closer you are to those strategic objectives, the more value you're going to add. Um, so increasing efficiency in the network is, is awesome. But reducing OPEX, increasing cash flow, these are higher value adds. And this is one of the reasons why I do believe that the coding and automating is, is hands down a better place to spend your time. For a shorter amount of, for less resources, you can have a huger impact higher in the value chain. Yeah, I think the return on investment is huge, right? Like, I mean, I see some some friends that have gone through the automation learning curve. I don't. I think it's a learning curve depending on your background, right? So, and maybe that takes them four weeks. I don't know. Let's just throw that out there. I'm throwing out a time frame, a random time frame that has no basis or factual information. Let's say it takes you four weeks to to be able to learn automation in some fashion. I don't. I'm not specifying a specific coding structure or a tool but you learn it so that you can actually solve business problems with it, some sort of business problem. Um, and maybe that takes you four weeks, maybe it takes you two weeks, right? But once you do that, now you know how to solve that problem every time that problem comes up moving forward. So like an example that I would give is when we have to change or add a VLAN to a trunk, I don't know, maybe, maybe create a new VLAN on a, a thousand switches, right? Something like that. We're not going to run a VTP, right? And this is getting technical, right? On the Cisco side, you're not going to run a VTP. Um, you're going to manually configure your VLANs on every switch, right? Um, that takes time. I have to log in every switch. I have to go take my template because I'm not going to type it manually. I'm going to copy a template, right? And paste it. I got to valid verify I actually created the VLAN. I got to verify spanning tree came up, right? I got to make sure it's on the link. And I'm going technical here to show the example, right? It's going to take me five minutes. If I'm good, fast, it's going to take me five minutes per device. So if I have a thousand devices, that's 5,000 minutes. I don't know what that math is. If I divide that by 60, that's a, that's a long time to do that. Now, if I have a workflow, let's say it's Ansible workflow. I don't even know how to run Ansible, but let's say it's Ansible workflow and it already has this predefined in it. And I give it a list of devices or some, I feed it some sort of, you know, device list to say, hey, go create this VLAN on all these devices. And I hit go. I don't do anything else. Like, I don't, I don't do anything else. And, and let me, let me, let me make sure I'm accurate here. It validates the changes, right? It does the change. It validates the change. It reports back the change. It has abilities to fail back if needed. Um, and it's asynchronous, meaning I think that's the right word, meaning that it can go to all thousand devices at the same time if it can support. Yeah. It. Yeah. Ansible is a I can tell you what Ansible is a great platform for all those reasons you just talked about. Um, it's it, you know, it's it's a platform. So it even abstracts away the need to know coding. Uh, you're just dealing with YAML data. Uh, 
you know, and how to structure that and, and, and whatnot. It's Ansible is a great platform for all those reasons you just mentioned. So I just, I think that, sure. that's a huge use case though. I mean, like, like a thousand devices is going to take me days to, to change something on. Right. And a thousand devices, is a good ballpark. I mean, you may not have a thousand devices, a hundred devices, even, I don't know if you can go to a hundred devices in a day, an eight hour day. But if you have any type of tool, automation tool, I used Ansible as an example, but it doesn't have to be Ansible. Any automation tool, well, now it takes you an hour maybe or 20 minutes to go to those thousand devices because that tool is doing it, right? Yes, you have to configure the workflow, the books or whatever they're called, right? You have to pre-configure how you're doing it in the tool. But then once it's you pulled out a repo or whatever and you do it, I mean that's going to get done. Your change is going to get done now in 20 minutes. I mean, it's huge. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And the learning curve with with Ansible or with anything with Python, it can be steep to do something like you just described in that, that workflow. But once you've done it, it's done. You've encapsulated that work. You've added a tremendous amount of value to your company now. Now, if you if you uh, are marketing yourself correctly, mm-hmm. you can go to your supervisor and and say, "Look, look what I've done. I've encapsulated this work in this in this playbook sequence. This is what we can do now. This is how fast we can do it, and and it won't it won't have human error involved. Uh, so great. Even if I leave, you'll still have this here as your infrastructure to work with. Uh, boy, that's a great." That is a great way to uh, to show your increased value to your to your employer, and you know that should, by all rights, something that impactful should translate to a higher salary. If you know, I, I will say there's also a, uh, I'd say we're kind of in the middle of the disruption right now, so some management might not see that value. They might, they might, they just might not see it for whatever reason. But I think as this becomes more uh, standardized, more expected, um, as those managers, you know, go, go from engineers to managers, I think it's going to be a, a, a much bigger deal, much easier to make that case. And um, yeah, this this should result in in higher value and higher, you know, higher pay. Yeah, I mean, I think the writing's on the wall, man. Like, if I'm being transparent, as always, like. Um, even the expert certifications that we're comparing to now, they all have some form of automation on them. Like it's, they all have, uh, and maybe I'm bucking them all together, but, uh, maybe I'm incorrectly buckling, um, putting them in the same bucket. But, um, I know the Cisco certifications have automation embedded on them, right? It may not be to the scale, uh, that you can do mass amount of changes, um, to automation, but the implications of automation are being fed into these exams now too. So like, for example, I'll just do the design exam, right? Because we did highlight it real quick and we were thinking that it's it may not apply here, but the recent update to the CCDE version three that came out in December of 2020, um, the update includes DevNet, or not just DevNet, but automation, it includes Ansible, it includes APIs, it includes knowing JSON and what a RESTful service is, like in and, and all those things, right? But it doesn't include it from a point of going into the command line and writing it. It includes it to what's the benefit and how what problems does it solve and how can you design solutions um, with those as tools? Because those are all tools, right? Those are all solutions um, 
and they solve business problems. And that's that's where I see everything going. I see a lot of what we do here kind of merging, right? Kind of kind of merging together. And I think that's something we're going to get to in a minute when we talk about the engineering roles and the integrated solution concept. No, and that's that's a a good point you just brought up. Uh, you know, the roles and whatnot. So in the future, you know, a couple years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, it's going to be not just who, you know, who is doing it, but the type of skill set they have. If you're running a network right now, you're a network engineer, most likely, and that might be it. Uh, In the future, it's going to be you're a network engineer and an automator to some extent. Now, I do still believe, you know, the top one percent, you know, the best, of the best, like in, uh, you know, uh, if you look at show business or whatever, you know, a lot of people are, you know, they're starving artists and whatnot. But the top one percent still make a very good wage. I still think that will be the case for the pure network engineer, but for the rest of us. Uh, we we're going to need to increase our excuse me increase our value because the higher level strategic engineers they're going to be doing the real engineering. If you don't learn and increase your skill set, you're going to be doing upgrades all day <laughs> or adding VLANs in a data center all day. And you're a network engineer. You're better than this. You can be strategic. This is one way to this is one way to unlock that. If you're not in the top 1% or 10% arbitrary percent uh, that can still command a very good wage, you're going to have to find a way to add more value. Uh, Automation is going to be that way. Yeah. I mean, I think what we do today as network engineers is just going to change a little bit, right? Like the writing's on the wall. Like we're not going to be sitting there changing VLANs on ports anymore. Like that's not going to be our role. And that's a simplistic example, right? But again, the, the, the writing's on the wall. Um, you might do that in an, in an initial role because that's something you might have to do. But, you know, there's controllers out there that are doing it. There's already ans- uh, uh, automation tools out there that are doing it. So, you know, I I personally am scared of the day 10 years from now when I'm talking to a junior engineer and they don't even know how to change a VLAN with the command line. <laughs> like, like, because that's, that's I think, where we're going um, long term. Uh, and they're going to know what a VLAN is. They're going to know what subnets is. They're going to know what routing is, but they've never changed an actual VLAN on an interface before because all they do is they click a button in the GUI or they run a playbook in whatever tool that they have, and that does it for them. You know, yep. that's, that's, that's the reality. Yep, and they're spending the rest of their time being strategic. Exactly. And strategic is such, a, such an important concept. Like, it, what's the definition of it? I don't know. Um, but the whole point behind it is that wherever organization you're in, you are making sure that organization is going to be successful. That is, that's, yep. and I always say this, and I, I think I say it on a lot of podcasts I do, but if I go back 10 years ago or 15 years ago, if I was asked what's more important, the business or the technology, I would have said the network switches, the routers, the routing protocols, that's all I cared about. That's honestly what I cared about. And now I'm like, yeah, I was wrong. Like, like that stuff doesn't matter. I mean, it's the business. Like, what is the business trying to accomplish? And how can you help them accomplish that, right? Um, how can you show that you can help them accomplish that? And then show them that impact. And, and show them why, if they don't do it, it's going to hurt them long term. 
Absolutely. So, uh, you know, what I think makes sense now is to look at the network engineers. Let's take the state of the network engineer today um, and why what we've talked about up to this point really affects them. Let's, let's, I, I really want to drive this home now. Yeah. Um, my, you know, my first statement here will be as a network engineer, you, you are now a commodity. Why do I say that? Well, you know, if you look at the CCIE, I don't even know what the CCIE number is up to for, let's say, Reddit and switching. Uh, is it? It's over a hundred thousand, I imagine. I I don't know. I you think know, it, it's the last one I saw was sixty something. It's up there. So okay, sixty. You know, six at sixty some thousand. Uh, J and CIEs. I'm sure. I don't know. I'm guessing they're in the over ten thousand at this point. I saw. I don't know. A couple of years ago. Uh, Huawei to fight internet expert. So it was like a 6,000 or something like that. So there's minimum tens of thousands of expert level certs out there right now. Um, you know, assuming a large portion of them are still practicing. And then if you look at the people who are just as good, who just don't happen to have the cert, you know, you could argue that there's hundreds of thousands of very well qualified network engineers out there. Awesome. Okay, so uh, as a network engineer, you know, do you have differentiators? Well, uh, you know, an IE cert is an expert level cert is a differentiator, but but I argue that that certification overserves the market. It's a feature employers won't pay; they might pay a little more for it, but they won't pay a lot more for it. Uh, you know, why do I? What what is you know? Why do I say that? Well. In a cert exam, you know, you go in there, you have, let's say, eight hours to fix a network, then improve a network, uh, you know, at the CLI. You're engineering a network in a few hours. While impressive, m most companies don't care that it takes, a you know, a few hours or a few days to, to engineer a network. What, what a company wants is a consistent person who shows up every day and who can learn concepts apply the concepts smartly to help the business. Doing that in a few hours is a premium feature most companies don't need. Um, you know, I'll, having said that, let me just do a, a funny, dumb story um, that, that sort of contradicts it, but uh, it, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, so uh, I had actually just gotten my IE, my JNCIE, um, and I, you know, I was a consultant at the time, and I was working at a customer side, and uh, we're in LA and I'm getting ready to fly home uh, that night and it's like noon <clears throat> and we're, we're wrapping up and the customer says, and my flight was at like nine or 10 that night to fly home. And the customer says, oh, by the way, before we go, you need, I need you to configure our lab. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, what do you got? He's like, well, we got, you know, three high-end security devices that we need uh, virtual routers on and we need verfs on these couple, you know, routers, high-end carrier class routers, and we need logical systems here. We need this one to look like three and these VLANs and all this stuff. And wow. So I sat down there in the data center, put on my noise canceling headphones and literally engineered a network in a few hours. And uh, I was like, wow, this actually does happen in real life. Because, you know, that is the only time I've ever had to like quote engineer a network in a few hours. And what I did could have been its own certification and something I'm sure. But, uh, uh, while that, that might happen every now and then, and it's kind of bizarre when it does, 
because it's such an artificial constraint, typically that's not going to be your experience um, as a network engineer. You're not going to have to engineer a network in a few hours. So, so I would, um, I would agree partially with that. I would, I, I would think, I think it depends on where you are, where you work, um, and maybe I'm bucket putting people in buckets based on their verticals and where they work. So, I would think that's probably accurate for the most of the commercial companies, enterprise companies, uh, most of the businesses out there. Um, they have network engineers on staff, right? They have time to engineer solutions. They don't have to do it in a small subset of time. Um, and it's not it's not going to be this massive, you know, traditionally complex item per se. Um, I do think that if you're working at a partner, at a vendor, a value-added reseller, that might be a little different. Um, because your job is to engineer solutions, right? That That's your job, to design and engineer solutions. Uh, and, and you're doing them, at least in my experience, you're doing them very quickly, right? You're going from one customer environment to the next customer environment. And in some cases, you're having a meeting with one customer and then right after they have a meeting with another customer, right? You're literally going back and forth on the designs and engineering. So I can see there being a need to have that quick skill sets, knowing all the technologies, knowing you know what's going to work where, but also being able to design on the fly because of the business requirements. Um, I do see that in that space. I don't. I don't know if I see that in an enterprise customer though. I don't know if I see that um, in a commercial customer or even like a SaaS provider. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, I typically don't. And and one thing I would ask you in that scenario you just painted, you know, about uh, the value the the VAR engineer. Um, if that capability to do that, to do that engineering on the fly in a few hours, you know, under the gun constantly, if that's getting you paid extra, if you're definitely commanding a premium for that capability, awesome. You're, you're in the right place. Great. You're, you're maximizing your skills. You're maximizing your value. If you have to do that often and you're not being paid more than your peers for that, that's kind of, that's the commoditization happening where you know, you're you're giving it away you know, for perhaps, free, right? You're, you're, yeah, you're, it's you're an extra benefit, and you're getting it's you're giving it away benefit. for free. People want it, but they won't pay more for it. Well, that's that is the danger of becoming a commodity. Yeah, no, I get that. I think a lot of us probably fall in that bucket, though. A lot of us provide value that others don't, and um, and, and we're not getting paid any different, right? In, in general, so that's an interesting concept. It's about it's about the value that you provide and, and getting compensated for it too. And I like it. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, back to how this, uh, the, the state of the network engineer and the duties and responsibilities and whatnot. Um, there's another thing, uh, you know, when we talked about modularity and versus in integrated solutions <clears throat> and the interface um, and just kind of what's going on there. Uh, one thing I, I think we can agree on right now is, you know, network automation in general is not good enough. Um, the existing solutions out there from, from a lot of vendors tend to be proprietary or siloed to a certain technology like a data center, a WAN, edge, whatever. Sometimes they're clunky to use and, and they can be complex. Um, so as a network engineer, if you understand the concepts of you know abstraction and automation and the value they provide and where and how to apply them, there's money to be made for you 
as an integrated solution in this not good enough area. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I, I would agree with that. Um, I'm on the same, po- same page. Um, I think there's money there to, to be an integrated solution. Um, I think automation is not going to be good enough, right? I think I, I agree with that too. I think automation is just not going to be good enough. You really do need to be um, everything. If I'm being like, you really are going to have to be everything moving forward. Um, you're going to have to be what I would probably call a, a true enterprise wide kind of architect or engineer. Um, not from an application perspective. I think that I think enterprise architecture means something different from like an application lifecycle management side of things. I mean, enterprise architecture or engineer from a, you know, a networking perspective and truly understanding what you're doing, uh, the network engineering side, but then also understanding automation and how everything fits together, right? And all the different layers. And if we start getting into like things like security with zero trust, I don't know if you're familiar with zero trust architecture or any of those concepts, but I mean, that's a full layer. That's a, not a full layer. Uh, that is all the layers in one architecture. And that's where I think things are going long-term. So automation is critical. It's part of that process, hundred percent. And, you know, I'd like to also just touch on your, I think it's the CCDE where you're incorporating business, um, factors into the design and whatnot. Uh, you know, I would argue that's a, that's a huge uh, value add as well for the same reason automation is. You're, you're interfacing between two worlds, two, two modules, uh, and that interface can be valuable. You know, an engineer who can communicate business needs uh, de- you know, into the network and also uh, communicate network realities upward Mm-hmm. Um, huge. It's a huge value add. So that's why I, you know, the CCDE, I don't think applies to this situation, but I think the CCDE and other certs like it are valuable for the exact same reason. You're, you're becoming this module, this very valuable modular, uh, excuse me, this very valuable integrated solution. So I would, I would actually decouple the exams, the certifications for a minute from the, the, the skill set of communicating. Um, because I think I think knowing what to say and who to say it to is extremely important. Um, if you're an engineer and knowing that you know you don't want to talk to your your CIO or your CTO or even your CEO about ones and zeros, if I can use that analogy, right? They're not going to know the bits and bytes. They're not going to know EIGRP versus OSPF versus BGP. They don't care. Like that's, that's not their language, right? So if you are a network engineer and you can speak with OPEX and CAPEX and return on investment and total cost of ownership, you know, the business languages, um, and, and, and I'll, I'll throw in how automation works that helps them, right? Like we're talking about automation and a lot of what I'm talking about is also on the CCD or network design as a whole, but how automation helps the business. And if you can relay that, you're going to build that, that relationship with the leadership in your organization. You're going to maintain that trust or build that trust. And they're going to be looking for you left and right, because then you can take what they care about. Their, their business priorities, their business outcomes, whatever they're trying to accomplish. And you can relay that now to a technical side of things within the technical side of that organization. I mean, it's a huge, huge. It's all about communication and building trust, though. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, if uh, people haven't caught on, communication skills matter for an engineer. <laughs> nah. They, they can be a huge, 
huge value add. Even just communicating your own you know, value upward is huge for you as a person. And they can add a lot of value for your employer as well. It's like marketing. So man. communication, it's marketing. yeah, like it's all marketing, yeah. self marketing, and communicating up and down. Um, it, we can't, we can't be that that cliche network engineer locked in an, uh, an IDF, um, typing away at a computer. That's not going to work, right? Uh, we can't be in that IDF with the lights off and we're at the computer with tons of Mountain Dew, and energy drinks, and and we're like, I, I will fix all the problems right now. You can't do that anymore, right? Unless you're in the top 1% and you're, you, you can add extreme value that way, there are people who can do that. I've met them. <laughs> but for the 99% of us who aren't, you need to find a different way to increase your value, increase your salary. Yeah. For those one, that 1%, like I call them like the parachute engineer, like they're the ones that get called in, fly in and parachute down into the, the organization. And, you know, they're so good that they get locked in with all the resources that they need. And, you know, hours later, they fix all the issues. And then they, you know, they take a, a rappel line up or a rope line up with a <laughs> helicopter. You know, that's, it's like a SWAT team for the, for the troubleshooting issues. But. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely they're the special forces of uh, you know of network engineering, and, and more credit to them. I am not one of those people. That's why I automate. You know, yeah, I, yeah, you yeah. got to find a way. You got to find a way. So I wish I could automate everything, man. That that's where I'm at. I want to automate everything. Like seriously, like let's just do it. Let's just get it over with. Let's build the processes and the procedures. Let's get the governance working. Uh, the culture. Let's get the culture to shift, and let's just automate everything. Yep, and and you know you touched on a real important part of it, and we probably won't get to this today, but there is a cultural component to this as well um, as to whether your employer will see the value in you as an engineer trying to abstract, automate, make things repeatable. You know, a lot of that is a cultural, it has a cultural impact on the organization amongst the management and your peers for that matter, who are, you know, may just be thinking, I know I work the CLI, I'm a CLI guy or CLI gal, and I can rock this at the CLI back up. Well, good. <laughs> but, but there's you know, there's there's a larger picture. Uh, there's a larger, uh, you know, uh, progression in place that you will not be able to fight. You That's will nice. not be able to fight it. Yeah. Um, so I think we're, we're almost at the end here. I want to kind of ask you, uh, uh, is there anything else you want to kind of touch on? I think we touched on everything, but I want to make sure I open it up. I think we kind of did a roundabout path, right, through our bullet points. Um, but feel free if there's something else that we did we did miss. Let's uh, let's hit it. Yeah. So there was, uh, you know, this Dice real recently came out with their uh, their tech salary report for technologists and whatnot, and you know I was parsing through that, and uh, a, a couple things I want to call out here: the, just the average Python salary. Uh, came out to, they reported that as about 112,000. Wow. Wow. The average network engineering salary, about 91,000. So there's about a $21,000 differential just in the average, taken just the average. So what I would tell you as a network engineer, if you're listening, is go in leading with Python. Lead with Python to get yourself closer to the Python salary, then, you know, it, it makes sense to do that. I'm a Python, you know, or, you know, Python or Ansible, I think could even work in this. Lead with Ansible Python to make yourself more in that segment where you're going to be considered for that $112,000 salary. 
And by the way, I know network engineering, and here's how well I know it. I have 10 years of network engineering. I've done this stuff. I've made these impacts. I can talk smartly about these technologies. By the way, I can automate a lot of that. Much different impact than I'm a network engineer, and here's what I know. Uh, $21,000 differential right there. So, yeah, so that's a great way. point. That's a really great point, right? And I would say that's how you come across, how you market, right? And and, and how you market yourself uh, is huge. Like if you come in and be like, I'm that network engineer, that token, I would say token or cliche network engineer, lock me in a cubicle and you won't see me ever. Um, but if you come oh, in, like you said, CLI like crazy. Yeah. yeah if yeah. you come in with, Hey, I'm an automation expert. Like that's what I do. I automate things. You know, I'm a, I'm a network automation expert or I am a automation advocate or whatever, right. Whatever role name it is today. And, and like they, they look at you like, Oh, you know, Python, you know, Ansible, you know, you know, get, you know, all these things that all these tools and they're like, Oh, and I know network engineering. I'm a CCIE or a CCNP or whatever. Right. Like it just all comes together, man. Like, I equate this to years ago when I'll go back to my military time when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, IT in the Marine Corps, everyone knows everything. There not there isn't anything that you shouldn't know from an IT perspective. Now I'm 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 going to be really vague real quick. It's um, it's not very technical. It's not like you're a CCIE. Like I got to be very clear, you're not an expert, right? But there's a baseline of technology that all data marines we call them IT data marines. IT was data marine. All I, all data marines are supposed to know a baseline of technology. Think of it like at the CCNA level of everything, but not just Cisco or networking. It's servers. It's security. It's VoIP. It's it's like everything. It's programming. It's web device or web development. Um, and so there's a baseline that every single marine data marine has to know um that's more of an integrated system or solution in my opinion um than a modular approach because the whole point behind that is any leader in the marine corps can pick a data marine and know that data marine knows what they need to know like there's there's no like there's no diff it's i guess it's a commodity solution too all data marines are the same i don't know i'm trying to figure it out here all iphones are the same right yeah that's Absolutely. interesting. It's interesting. Sorry, that was my own soapbox. I'll stop. I, I think this no, is it, really beneficial, though. So thank you. Yeah, I, I very much hope so. And you know, just having interviewed a lot, you know, I I will often just interview if someone expresses interest in me, even if I'm not interested in leaving a role, just to find out what's important in the marketplace. What are you looking for? What are the problems you're trying to solve? Um, and having you know interviewed quite a lot, I, I can say the salary I'd feel comf- comfortable asking for in any given role. It's the salary differential is real to me, and it's real. I'd feel comfortable with it because I, I've seen the value automation provides, and call it Python and Ansible are, are a lot of the common ones. Um, so, uh, yeah, this and and the dice report just drove it home to me. Market yourself as Python, as an automator, as something, and I also network know network engineering really well. Here's how awesome I am at that. But by the way, I can make all of it repeatable. If I leave, you'll still have an infrastructure of my code I've built up. Have fun with that. It's going to be awesome for you. So I think I think the, sure. the, the key that I would the key one of the key things I would say too is that it doesn't mean you're going to become like a full time programmer. Like like that's not. I know there's a myth, right? Like uh, does that mean I have to stop being a network engineer and I'm going to go become a programmer and write programs all day? No, that's not the case here. That, that's a myth that we can debunk and say, no, that's not what's going to happen here. You're going to learn tools that you can add to your network engineering job. Like that's, that's the point, right? You're going to add these 
um, technologies, these underst- the understanding, the tools, and to, to make your job easier, right? That's really what, for you as a, as a network engineer, it's going to make your job so much easier. Yeah. Now, there is a path for what you just said. It doesn't have to be your path. But if you decide, I want to automate, I'm going to try and become a full-time automator because I know network engineering and because I know it and I know I can add value that way, that is a that is a legitimate career path at this point in time. It's it's one employers are looking for. So if you don't want to be on the CLI anymore, if you want to just deal with you know automation stuff, that's a valid path for sure. Um, and by the way, you know if you're automating these tasks, these code upgrades and mass configuration exercises, you are. You are freeing yourself then to, to work on higher level engineering tasks later on. And again, that, those higher level engineering tasks make you strategic. Mm-hmm. So not only are you adding value as an automator, you can add more value as a network engineer because now you're not doing code upgrades all day and night, 24 7. Yeah, some people um, might think you're lazy, right? Like, like that's, but I, I equate yeah. to it. I always told people I was lazy and I was automating things, even back when like VB script was a thing. VB script and, and before before they had other scripting languages like I was using VB script to automate all my my switch updates and you know I have to update the password I have to update the SNMP string or whatever I'll just run my VB script to go you know update everything um, so it's just interesting that like this is where we're back we're back to automating everything but now we have actual tools that do it better than like VB script send key, send keys and I've been using that as an example for a while because that that sucked I'm just telling you like. VB script send keys. I mean, if you lost your focus on that that screen that you're on, it would ruin your entire script. It was it was a bad, bad, bad way of doing things. But that's what I knew. <laughs> that's what I knew at the time. And it was not asynchronous. It was synchronous. So it still took forever to accomplish um, a, a hundred device changes. Right? Like it just took that. It took forever. Um, but I, I, I'm a rambling again. So hey, man. Um, you know, we already talked about the certifications, but is there anything else you want to mention about the DevNet and Juniper uh, DevOps certs? Yeah, you know, those are those are fairly new in, in the realm here. And and I'd say, you know, I'd recommend that that is a great place to start your automation journey. It's going to be a curated material and you're going to have the vendor backing on that. Awesome. Start there, whether it's, you know, whatever, pick your pick your vendor you, you want to start with, whatever is important to you. Um, uh, what I would caution, though, on, on those vendor certs is don't get, I'll just say this, I'd be careful spending your own resources once you start to feel you're becoming tied to a specific automation platform for a vendor. Like the base stuff, the, the, the associate ones or the specialist ones, awesome. You're learning core concepts that you can use anywhere. Um, if your employer wants to pay for you to get a higher level uh, you know, kind of an automation cert that's more specific to a vendor. Awesome. I would just be careful using your own resources to do that kind of thing. But, you know, uh, a lot of the vendors have come a long way with automation certs since I wrote my initial article. Um, so I, I, you know, I want to throw it in there. I'm not anti-vendor cert for sure. I think they're, I think they have a lot of value, but just be careful with the automation search. You don't become chained to a specific platform 
Yeah, no, you're going to vendor lock-in, right? Platform lock-in. Lock I totally get it, right? And don't spend your own resources to, to unless there's a reason you want to, right? Like, unless that's your, your desire is to be that vendor-only <laughs> automation specialist, which, I mean, there's roles for that for sure, right? Um, but again, you got to look at your own end goal. I always look at that. What's the, what's your looking to achieve? What's your intent? And then backtrack from there. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, well, I, I definitely appreciate you, you, you having me here today, uh, Zig. It's been, it's been awesome. I definitely appreciate this. Hey, I've been having so much fun, Tim. So I appreciate it, buddy. Um, so a couple questions, um, any last minute thoughts, uh, words of wisdom, anything for the listeners before we, we close it for the episode? Uh, just being a network engineer isn't enough anymore. You have to find a value add. Automation can be that value add. Business can be that value add. Anywhere where you're bridging two worlds and you be, can become a integrated solution to, to interface between those worlds, you're going to find value there and hopefully a higher salary. Uh, Automation is one way to accomplish that. Awesome. Awesome. And then the last question, where can everyone find you on the interwebs? If they want to keep this conversation going, look for you. Where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, LockSFoils.com. That's lock-s-foils.com. Star Wars reference there. Uh, that's my personal uh, uh, website. Uh, it's a clearinghouse for uh, um, <clears throat> technical articles I've written that are on the site itself. And they also have links to other articles you know, what blog posts I've done on uh, packet pushers and APNIC and whatnot. So that is a place where you can find all my technical and, <clears throat> excuse me, world worldly observations that I've made over time. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Timothy Fiola. Um, I also have a repository on GitHub. Tim-Fiola is my username there. So feel free to, uh, to take a look at uh, my open source projects if you're interested in that. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have all those links uh, in the show notes so it's easy to follow Tim and, and ask him questions and, and whatnot. Um, maybe we'll get you the Discord server too, Tim. That way, if anyone has any questions, they can pump, uh, uh, sorry, they can uh, jump into the Discord server and ask them that way if you're a Discord fan or not. I don't know. I, I've done Discord. I can I can definitely do that for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I think that'd be beneficial so people have a place to get a hold of you. But we'll have all those show uh, all those links in the show notes. Um, and, and real quick, uh, totally off topic. Um, I'm thinking you're a Star Wars fan, right? So, um, are you also a, a Lego fan? Is that what I'm seeing potentially behind you? Uh, yes, this Lego Star Destroyer, the A Wing, the Y Wing, the Lego Voltron. That's in its component Lego Lion Lions. They're all right there. It's um, I also have a superstar destroyer just off to the side here. You can't see very well, but yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've got a problem. I've fallen <laughs> off the wagon. I'm buying Legos again. It's, you might not talk to me again for a while, depending no, so, on what happens here. So, so this is great, right? <laughs> so I, I didn't know that you were a Lego fan or not, but, uh, I saw them in the background and I'm sorry, everyone. I know you can't see the video, right? But he's got a whole bunch of Lego star Wars, Lego sets behind him on his, uh, uh, I don't know what it's called. It's like your shelf, right? Um, shelf, so, yeah. so I'm a huge like uh, Star Wars fan, and I have Legos behind me, but you can't see them all. My son's actually taking most of them apart, and we're rebuilding them. Um, we have a small Millennium Falcon, not the big one, not the uh, collector's, you know, the the biggest set that the eight hundred dollar one. Yeah, yeah, not that one. <laughs> we don't have room for it. Like honestly, we just don't have the room for it. But um, we do well, have yeah, a. This 
the Star Destroyer was a huge problem once I put it together. That's why I bought the shelving because I had nowhere <laughs> to put this Star Destroyer. It's huge. Yeah, it looks huge. It looks really big. So I was just curious, like, um, it, I was like, wait a second, that's a Star Destroyer behind him. No way. That's cool, man. That's so cool. <laughs> well, um, hey, hey, Tim, I appreciate it, buddy. I know we probably went a little over. Um, thanks for joining. Uh, it's great. And I'm, I'm hoping to have you back soon. You know, we got some other ideas cooking. So I can't wait to have you back, bud. Yeah, I'd love to talk about some more stuff with you, Zig. It's been a real pleasure. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. Hey, friends, nerds, geeks, and cichlets. That's going to close out today's episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, where we discussed how to differentiate yourself as a network engineer. Today's show notes will be at zigbits.tech slash 83. Hey, make sure you follow our guest expert today, Tim Fiola, and all of his content information will be on the, in the show notes. But I want to be really clear. He's got his own GitHub repository. He's got his own blog. He's got books out there. So go ahead and, and get a, go ahead and follow him on all the socials that he's on. And go ahead and check out his content. He's got some great content out there. We have a new giveaway this month, March 2021. We have a joint giveaway with Dewan Lightwood, Lab Every Day, if you don't know who he is. Yeah, and Erica Cooper, Tech Lady. Now go ahead and follow both of these two awesome people because they have joined me up this month. And we are giving away five, not one, not two, not three, not even four, but five copies of The Network Warrior by Gary Donahue. That's right. You heard it. We're doing this. There's going to be five winners this month. Um, so I would definitely jump in, get your name in the hat, um, so that when we do that drawing at the end of the month, uh, you have a, the best chance to, to win one of these books. Uh, hey, if you want to check out the live kind of conversation about all of this, you can check out the hashtag ZigbitsMarch2021 giveaway. If you want to get into the giveaway right now, all of the details are at zigbits.tech giveaway. Hey, if there's something you would like us to give away in the future, let us know. We're looking for some ideas. You know, we, we need more ideas of things that you truly want and need, and we'll, we'll make it happen as best as we can. You know, so if there's books or courses or coaching or mentorship plans, you name it, give us a quick email. You can email me at zig at zigbits.tech. Let me know what you want, and we'll try to make it happen in the near future. Hey, if you want to have that live network network design conversations that we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, you can join the ZigBits Discord community right now, right? It's free. Again, it's 100% free. There are a ton of highly skilled experts ready to help you with your network design questions. And simply go to zigbits.tech slash discord to join right now. If you do join, just go ahead and say hi to me. Reach out. Um, I'm not going to bite. I I'm happy to help any way I can help. If you didn't know, we are creating a network design course. Yes, this is a vendor agnostic, certification agnostic course. You can totally use it to help you achieve your CCMP and your CCDE, but it's not just limited, limited to those exams. We're talking everything in network design is in this course. Hey, if you want to hear weekly status updates on where we are with this course, you can join the email list at zigbits.tech slash network design. I send a quick email every week or so, just kind of summarizing, hey, this is where we're at, this is what I did. Hey, Hey, this is what I didn't do. I suck. All those kind of things. If you like today's episode, let us know. You can find more ZigBits network engineering, network design, and network architecture content, including technical podcasts, monthly webinars, YouTube videos, and a dedicated community on Discord. All free content. Find all of this and much more at zigbits.tech. You can also follow us on Twitter at ZigBits, and you can find us on LinkedIn. Sign up for our free weekly newsletter, the Network Design Digest, filled with the best network design content in network engineering at zigbits.tech newsletter. As always, I appreciate you and thank you for listening. Don't forget to attack your goals, attack the day, 
attack your life and make progress, my friends. Until next time, bye for now.